Greetings, true believers, and welcome to this special endgame spoiler-filled episode 15 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me as always is the one and only Hector, now IMDB official, Mirai. How's it going, Hector? It's good. Right? Good. I'm using my beard to hide my Thanos chin, but I'm great. So keep oh, going. Oh, that, that's really good. Well, excellent. Well, we've got a great show for everybody today. So strap on in and prepare yourself for we've got comic sign. Uh, better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got quite a show for you. We're going to hit some of the latest news in the industry. Will Doomsday Clock Number 10 actually be released? She-Ra takes to the funny book pages and so much more. Hector and I will also lay out a few of our favorite pulls from the last couple weeks. There's some really cool ones out there. And then we will dive straight into everything everything Avengers Endgame. So seriously, if you haven't seen Endgame yet, hit pause, get to the theater, knock that one out. Because we're not holding anything back today. You have officially been warned. Spoilers are to follow. But, so, but not right now. You can listen a little longer. But <laughs> yeah, you can listen at least through what our polls are and everything. And we'll say the word spoiler like 47 billion times before we really dive into things. But for now, we're going to head on over to the newsroom. And we're going to see what's new and awesome. So Hector... Anything jump out in the news for you? I know I've got a couple hot leads sitting in front of me, but curious if you saw anything that uh, kind of jumped out for you. Um, not really on the news front. Um, I officially saw that uh, the cast of Swamp Thing has officially finalized wrapping, like in real time. They're done. Uh, They're done. Nice. They, have, they have packed up and they are moving to another city for another production. So um that's over as far as they're currently filming and they don't know that anything else is happening say they have not been greenlit or told as a production company we're coming back on this date um okay so so that's a quasi official news from hector because he's got some of those plugins there that we, we at least have our 10 episodes we know that it's in the can and it's coming soon but we don't necessarily know what's coming next is what i'm hearing you say yeah Okay. Um, so I know some of the things that I have that is incredibly exciting for everyone is I do have a Doomsday Clock number 10 update. <gasps> Are you ready? Gasp. Doomsday Clock number 10 currently looks like it's actually going to release on May 29th. Okay. Like dead serious. Everybody actually wrote the articles this week that said we thought we were going to tell you pushed another week or two, but it it appears solicited as planned for May 29th means that's going to hit FOC here real soon. So final order cut off. So retailers are going to be ordering it. So we, we might actually get it this month, but of course this book was originally solicited for some time back in March. So anyway, um, doomsday clock might actually hit issue 12 in 2019, not holding my breath, but you know, Hey, that's technically a positive step for the doomsday clock franchise. So we'll finally get to see what's going on there. Um, the other thing that I saw that's kind of cool and I'm semi excited about it because I don't know about you, but have you been watching She-Ra and the princesses of power on the Netflix? Um, it started in my household and my kids went to the route of Carmen San Diego over She-Ra. So, Ooh, interesting. Like they, they were vibing more with one than the other. And so... I don't have enough time to invest in a cartoon currently that my kids aren't going to watch. So, uh, yeah, we ran with that, that. That 
that that's super valid. Uh, my wife and I have been watching it because she's like reliving that eighties dream of She-Ra, um, and nerding out a little bit, but it's coming as an original graphic novel, uh, to the page here sometime in the near future that a creative team has been put together and it's going to be in the style of the Netflix show and based on that continuity. So there will be a companion comic that will go along with that in the not too distant future. So if you've been enjoying She-Ra on the Netflix, then you have some wonderful, wonderful physical bound copy of a story coming to a comic shop near you. We'll try to keep you updated when actual solicitations hit, but we know that that creative team has at least been gathered and it's a thing. So that's pretty exciting for folks that have been enjoying it. And then the only other thing that probably is a real major news thing in terms of comics for this week, there's lots of other nerdy stuff that's been going on that we could probably get to, but we did talk about the comic Second Coming and the impacts of that as DC was originally going to publish that under their Vertigo line, and then after multiple, we don't know whether the protest worked or not, but DC backed away from that for one way or one reason or another, and... All we do know is that it appears to be coming back here in the not-too-distant future, and it's going to come under a different comic company. So it's going to come underneath the banner of Ahoy Comics. So Second Coming is definitely, apparently solicited now on the books for July through a new comic publisher, Ahoy. So because, we get to revisit... Because everyone's yeah. heard of Ahoy, and we're excited about Ahoy. <laughs> not, not a... <laughs> I, it's a thing. It's it's the imprint that picked up this controversial book. And if you're interested in hearing our discussion about it, we did talk about it when it was originally solicited through Vertigo and everything. So it's a thing. Here we are. Um, but it's okay. We'll figure it out and we'll figure it out together. But it is coming. It doesn't appear that Ahoy is going to back out. So that that's a thing. I don't really have anything else in way of news, Hector, but is there anything else that really jumped out to you? Um, no, <laughs> it's really not. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, in terms of some stuff other than some books that we'll discuss during the pull list section, there hasn't been a ton of comic book news other than obviously Endgame, uh, and we'll get to that Jared, a little later in the Jared episode. Leto did put out a statement, uh, that he's not done as the Joker. Um, I don't know, he said that he's planning to be the Joker again. Um, I don't know where that's going, <laughs> but. You know, he was interviewed and asked and, you know, said his time's not over. And now we can look forward, question mark, to more Jared Leto as the Joker? Dude, I'm still really hopeful <laughs> that, like, under the right direction, it could be good. Um, I don't know. Maybe some laser tattoo removal as well. Or just heavy makeup. Just, just heavy makeup, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um Interesting. Well, I mean, Leto does have a bunch of other projects in the works, so we can see what happens well, with that one. Here's one thing, uh, too, that I did just see this morning, that The Rock had a meeting with Kevin Feige. Ooh. And I just need The Rock to not touch Marvel right now, because I need The Rock to go <laughs> ahead and sh invest in Black Adam and Shazam, because I need more of that. And you go away, Kevin Feige, and your bajillion dollars. <laughs> You leave my man alone and let me have a Black Adam movie so I can have more Captain Sparkle fingers. So get off me. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, that's pretty valid. Actually, 
No, we definitely need to have some Black Adam uh, action out of the rock. So that's a good point. He, we don't want him to end up in a space that he can't contractually fulfill that. He's already stated, he put out a live video right after Shazam came out that uh, he was happy with the movie, pleased with the success, and he is going to begin filming Black Adam early 2020. So he already yes. he already said that. But I don't need Kevin Feige changing the course of where this is going. Um I don't want to be between That's... a rock and a hard place. Oh, oh. no. Uh, why? <laughs> this is literally why we can't have nice things. And no, it's true. I apologize to our great listeners that, that expect much higher quality entertainment from us. Shame on you for Hector. expecting quality. Hector, how dare you? But no, I, I think that's, that's really all the stuff that I had in my pile of interesting things going on in the world, which isn't all that interesting so let's get right along with the show then and jump into the really cool things that we read over the last couple weeks because i I actually have some books i want to talk about this week um and i'm not going to apologize but i'm going to apologize that all of my polls over the last two weeks that i really want to focus on here are all number ones Uh and they're all number ones from different companies so i'm yeah i'm spreading the love around uh this particular time but I think we should start right at the top because I think you said before we started recording that you read this as well. Is we we have to talk about deceased number one, right? Deceased number one, yes. Uh, so DC delivering us a wonderful new mini. Uh, I believe it's going to be a six issue mini. Uh, DC's jumping into zombies, which at first I was like, cool, um, Marvel zombies. That that was a thing. Actually, that was a thing multiple times over. So what are you going to bring to me different and interesting and I just want to say I picked it up because I just wanted to know, figuring I was going to put it down and probably be bored with it because zombies are everywhere lately. Yeah. I I kind of liked this setup. Like, I didn't hate it. I like the setup a lot. And personally, um, there was a lot of aspects I really did like. I really did like uh, the snark level of a cyborg. Uh, right. Are, are, were you seriously just looming in a corner waiting for a good entrance? Um, like stuff like that, and um, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, to me, that was funny. To me, it feels like Doom Patrol cyborg. Like, ooh, like that's probably fair. That is kind of the vibe that they gave off in this book. Yeah. So this is this is the first time in print I felt like we're getting the cyborg from DC Universe's Doom Patrol um, that I've read recently. Um, and I, you know, some of the stuff that you see in the book with the Bat family actually caught me off guard because it was intense. And I didn't, I was like, oh, oh, okay. We're going to be that kind of gangster. Um, and Oh yeah, no, the, for folks, they're, they're not holding back any punches in terms of uh, who's on the table for being deceased. Um, see how many times we can get that one in while we talk about the deceased book. Um, you got to admit, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty good little pun, but... Um, it was great branding, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm li- was a little caught off guard by some of the savagery. Here's my beef, and you, know, you, can, you can talk more about how great it is in a second, but here's my beef. <laughs> they did this already. Um, and, okay, and tell they, me, tell me did, more. They did this in almost the exact same way already. Um, like... So the the basic premise you'll read like in the first page or two of the book is that uh, Doom or Darkseid gets a hold of the anti life equation and with a little love from uh, the Death Racer and Cyborg spreads it throughout the world and everyone with a phone or social media device 
gets the anti-life equation in them and they become zombies. Okay, cool. That exact thing happened in Final Crisis. Ooh. Okay. That's that, a good point. That exact thing happened, disseminated across the internet, disseminated across every screen, where all of humanity was infected with the anti-life crisis, and they basically became savage zombies. Um, they might have not been dead, but there wasn't a lot of distinction between what I saw in Deceased and what I saw in Final Crisis. Now, granted, I get not everyone read Final Crisis, and not everyone understood Final Crisis. Um... Uh, you know, and Grant Morrison, his run was a hot minute ago. Um, so I get it. it's been a long time, but it felt it felt exactly like it felt exactly like uh, it felt like Final Crisis. Right. All right. No, that that's actually a really fair point. Part of me still kind of liked pulling that, like you said, pulling that story forward um, a little bit because I mean. It was applicable during Final Crisis in our culture, but even more so today, right? That you can't peel your eyes away from the screen type of thing. And they played a lot off from that in that, you know, it's the literal joke of we're zombies to the machine type thing. So it's it's not lost on me that the source material probably it 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 might even come out that there's something interrelating here because, you know, this is the first shot in a six part. And sometimes we just don't learn all the pieces until later. So I, so first of all, go read Final Crisis, children. You can go and learn a wonderful, wonderful thing and about comics and history and all that kind you of stuff. You can see Batman but, air quotes die. Um, right, quotes. And also, if you do go read Final Crisis, point of interest, there's a wonderful Easter egg where they actually paint Serenity into the background. The ship Serenity from Firefly is in its, uh-huh. all its full glory on a panel, just flying in the sky for no good reason. <laughs> and we just want the entire world to know that yes that means that firefly is canon yes in dc <laughs> so so i enjoyed deceased so if you were on the fence about it and you want to enjoy a dc based zombie story it at least appears for the first installation that it's worth kind of jumping on and seeing where that ride's gonna go so definitely pick it up give it a shot Uh, My next number one in the pile is Fallen World number one, which is a book from Valiant. I've always been a huge supporter of Valiant and the work that they do over there. They have their own superhero universe with tons of awesome characters like Bloodshot, which gets a Vin Diesel movie here in the next year or so. Um, Eternal Warrior, Exo Manowar, Rai, etc. There's tons of really cool characters in this world and it's independent. It's their thing. And I've just always enjoyed the amount of effort they dump into that. And what's really fun is Fallen World is bringing Rye kind of back into the story fold again. And that's really great because I loved that character a ton. So it's really good to see him back and kind of playing things out. It is kind of very steeped in Valiant's universe. But one of the best things about reading Valiant comics is you can pretty much pick up any of their books and they're going to tell you what you need to know in the quick blurb in the front. All comics do this, but I got to give Valiant tons of credit. They're just really good at it. Um, Some other books I've picked up and I'm like, cool, I think I get it. But Valiant books, usually they give you enough information to get rolling and they're very vivid in their colors and their characters are kind of unique. So if you're looking for something new and different, definitely pick that bad boy up. And then I picked up Ascender, number one, from Image Comics, which is another thing that I thoroughly enjoy because Ascender is 
the sequel to the book Descender, um, which Jeff Lemire did previously. And I think I've talked about on this that that's one of those things you need to read, that Descender was a really great story. And Ascender jumps us into the future of that same world and talks about a child that is now in that world. And that world is now steeped in magic, which is a world that was originally steeped in nothing but technology. So it's a pretty neat thing that's going on there and same great art same great creative team so if i convince you to pick up descender you should pick up ascender because it's just continuing that awesome awesome world and you know he who is he that ascends except he who descended because you know throw out a bible reference Ooh. hi oh there's a lot of really neat um imagery and some things that they do discuss in this book so they're they're definitely talking about things of spiritual nature in this world because it's it's a really interesting world because technically they didn't know magic existed and now they're in a world that it was nothing but tech and science that they now know magic exists so i'm looking forward to see how he weaves those stories and everything right and then finally off from my list i have a marvel number one so all of you that yeah that think i don't (laughs) say nice things about that I don't say nice things about Marvel. Well, um, this is why you had to strap yourself in for this episode because Chris is about to say something nice about a Marvel book. And that was Thanos number one from Teeny Howard. Um, Teeny is awesome. I've had the chance to meet her multiple times. She was local to North Carolina. So we had her in the shop and at a lot of our shows and she's done a lot of really cool work and she's now, you know, doing exclusive stuff at Marvel and I'm so happy for her and for Marvel to pick her up. But Thanos number one was pretty awesome. We've seen a lot of cool Thanos stories, and she is bringing us back to the portion in time where Thanos finds Gamora and actually raises her. So this story arc is going to be entirely that. So you see the violence of Thanos and the Black Order. The Black Order's all there. Hmm. Um, You know, go, go and planet the planet, just wiping people out as Thanos is trying to catch the eye of Lady Death. So thank you. That is back into the discussion. We can save some of that for the discussion on Endgame and what they did with Infinity War in general. But if you don't know who Lady Death is and why Thanos uh, cares, that the short version of this is that that's actually the point of the story. But that's in comics. MCU yeah. took a different direction. It's still cool. But we're kind of back to roots on terms of why Thanos is a crazy, maniacal, murder-the-world person. Um, book was fun. Yeah, because, including him but, wiping people out and chasing death. So because book is the mad Titan Thanos, movie is yep. the altruistic, uh, sacrificial Titan Thanos, and those aren't the same people. Nope, it they're very different people with different motivations. So it's fun because if you enjoyed everything that is Endgame and all that, then you've got a place to come back to and pick up tons of awesome comics to fill in more about who Thanos the Mad Titan truly is, was, etc. So. It was fun. I'm I'm I always give a number 1 a chance if I hit the end of number 1 and I'm not compelled to pick up another issue then that's where it ends but with all of those this week I went some of those I was going to get no matter what but other ones I was like okay I'll see if it sticks. These stuck for me this week so that's why Sweet. I wanted to share them with all of you wonderful people. So t- tell me a wonderful story of the things that jumped into your pull this week Hector. So I see your Marvel pull recommendation and i raise you a double marvel pull recommendation that's right two of my three recommendations this week come from marvel eat it chris 
Um, yeah, right. And but the rest of you that have been complaining to us, there, there's still no X Men titles on this. So uh, get off us. We're sorry. Wait, we're, we're only well, kind of sorry. Well, <laughs> well, sort of. Two of these are okay, both of mine are both actually pseudo X Men titles. They just don't have an X in the title. Um, Savage I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Never mind. I take that back. We're yeah. in. We're, We're good. in. We're good. We we show the mutant love. Um, so one of my picks, my I think my favorite for the week is Domino Hot Shots number three, and just it's it's continuing the story of Domino, but she keeps steamrolling with a uh, assembling this large squadron of her own. And uh, last the last issue before this, we got introduced to Deadpool back in the mix, which was great. Um, this is honestly the best black widow book i've read in a while which having her on the team and her interacting with uh deadpool was great um but one of the cool things is that uh iron man was basically the villain of the story this week and uh interesting that uh basically the whole plot point of this deadpool or this domino five issue series is that there is a key that basically gives everyone godlike power and um that Black Widow and, or sorry, Domino and her team are trying to destroy it. Um, Iron Man's trying to acquire it for possibilities. And he's willing. <laughs> for reasons. Yeah, for reasons. For his own, you know, because he needs to put a, a metal cage or blanket or whatever he said around the world. Um, but. I get that reference. You get that reference. Um, he's He was willing to, like, literally shoot uh black widow domino deadpool and her whole squadron out of the sky and let them die so that he could collect it um whoa and so he blew up their ship thinking they'd have a way to stop it and they didn't um and so iron man put an entire city in imminent danger and his infinite ability and mechanical tech did not have the ability to save them from the repercussions of his own selfishness. And um, so that was just like, and watching the chaos of him seeing, oh, I screwed up the world again, was kind of great. Um, actually get to see Rhodey, and I haven't seen Rhodey in a book in a minute outside of being War Machine, just him in a military suit was dope. Um, oh, nice. But uh, the, and then um, you get to see Deadpool have a romantic interest. Like, like not him just being a doofus, like someone choosing him and, Aww. and actually being sincere with him. And it was, it was kind of nice. Um, so Domino and man, there's just so much heart in Gail Simone writing Domino. I know I love Gail Simone writing in general, but dude, the amount, so much. Of, the amount of heart she puts into these Domino books literally gets me about every time. Um, because it's so much about family and friendship and the people you choose in your life. Man, I, I just solidly... I, I could reread her whole run on Domino and be satisfied. Um, so there's that. Savage Avengers number one uh, is a pull I picked up. And I will read it the next issue. But almost this entire issue was just Conan. Or Conan. Conan. Whatever. I always say it wrong when I'm not thinking about red hair. Um, and ha. he. Uh, it's basically just... Conan and Wolverine beating the crap out of each other because they're heading in the same direction. And then they have beer and everyone's friends. Um, <laughs> but that that's about where we're at. Is that, uh, like, it's, the first issue is mainly just Conan and Wolverine. Um, and they are being thrust together because they are pursuing a similar goal for different reasons. Um, and 
it was an interesting thing. I it, it wasn't badly done. It's the first book I've read of Conan in a while and just felt like, okay, I can keep going with this. Um, but when this entire team assembles, I really do think it's going to be something worthwhile to see the chaos that ensues so i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep going with savage avengers number one um i always hate when they show you a full team on a cover and don't have a full team in a book yet i I, trust me we've already had these discussions about covers um but that's it's the same thing with red hood and the outlaws the run with bizarro um they had the full team on the cover like four issues before they had the team and i'm like Boo, don't do that. Um, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Um, and then my other pull for this week was Harley Quinn 61. And here's the thing I've enjoyed about Harley's different runs. They give you enough heads up in the marketing and everything else to say, hey, here's a cool story. You don't have to know everything else. Jump in and leave when you're ready. Um, a little while ago. Go on. I'm intrigued. <laughs> a little while ago, they did a run where Harley became a female fury uh, for on apocalypse under granny goodness and they told you this is when it starts this is when it's over and you know what i picked it up i read it i enjoyed it when it was over i stopped um they did a team up recently where it was harley and batman as a team picked it up read it moved on i've not read a continual run i picked up the initial like 20 harley quinn issues of after rebirth and i let it go but lately they've done a really good job of just saying this is a story you might enjoy have fun with it. So the story they just started with Harley Quinn 61 is basically Harley tries to cheer up Selena after all the Bruce drama by teaching her to play D&D and it doesn't work. But oh, I was going to say that's legit, but that that makes me sad now. I honestly felt a little more like a uh, Selena than the Harley in this because she was miserable and um like I felt that way. The And it's not even D&D, dude. And I know how detailed D&D is. I felt that way just trying to read all the rules and instructions for Dice Throne. Um, I loved it. I got into it. My kids and I have been playing Dice Throne for like a hot minute now. But like the first time I opened the box, I'm like, this is so much. I don't know what to do. And, and so it was great. But, like, that's the thing, like, Harley's tried to explain all the spells and the castings and everything else, and Selena's like, can I have more wine? Um, so it was it was a fun experience, um, but bottom line, their world gets turned into a live-action D&D thing, uh, Huntress, not Huntress, good grief, uh, Enchantress uh, changes the entire world into a D&D quest. And one of the cooler f- parts of this is that you get... Um, alternative character representations of old school Gotham people you've seen forever. Um, and you get people that haven't been used well in a while. Like you get a Silver St. Cloud. Dude, when's the last time you saw Silver St. Cloud in anything? Um, it's been a minute. And then so... <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. But my favorite one, like, and it was only like a couple panels, but uh, they've got a dwarf uh, assassin looking version of Penguin called Oswald Cobblestone. yes and dude when i saw this little dwarf elf looking he kind of looks like gimli um (laughs) and when i saw oswald cobblestone i'm like yep i'm gonna cosplay that i'm gonna buy an action figure i'm gonna get an artist print um i was like i was like i like that um so there's a lot of that so if the idea of harley quinn in a DD game of thrones-esque world entertains you you should pick up harley quinn 61 and um and I just to throw back, I, I didn't put it on my pull, but just man, Heroes in Crisis Eight. I've gone back and reread that 
a few times and it's still something I'm chewing on and enjoying at the depth of that book. Um, so nice. yes, yeah. so those are stuff. some, yeah, those are some pretty awesome pulls for this week. And man, we, we really read some good comics in the last couple no, of weeks. I, so I, you I, guys should definitely, I had that feeling like this week, I was like, this was a really good few weeks. Yeah, and we've said the last couple of weeks that we've we've been reading a lot of ongoing stuff, but seeing new stuff that energizes us, I think, is a good turn in the recent events. So that's really awesome. So it's really good to see. I know a lot of folks in the community being saying things about their polls, and you guys get another week to tell us some of the awesome things you've been pulling because we want to get into the reason we wanted to podcast today and to deliver to you the spoiler filled spoiler epic spoiler 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 spoilers of spoilers in avengers endgame because there are spoilers and we want to talk about what hector and i had the joy of seeing in mcu's just epic so we're We're, about to get talking we're about to get stephanie brown in this piece yeah we're 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 about to do the thing um that we said at the top of the show that we're going to say spoilers like 47 times, and I lost track of how many times I said it so far. Spoilers. Um, so if you haven't seen Endgame for serious, we, we don't want to ruin this experience for you. Our goal is not to ruin it for people, but we do want to talk about it for those of you that have had the chance to see it. So we can talk about some of the cool things that we saw. We can talk about some of the things that you might have missed. And so if you haven't gotten to it yet, just hit pause. Come back to us. We'll be here. We still love you. We just don't want to ruin this awesome experience because you need to go into this movie fresh and clean because it will be a great experience so for fresh you. And so clean, so Hector, clean. Yeah. Yeah. Just so Hector, jump back you're into ready the to jump right mark. on in. Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. Um, so all those spoilers, here we go. Let's talk the magnificent reality. That was a 1.2 billion as in B billion global opening weekend, double infinity war in income and gross income worldwide first billion dollar global release ever right off the top hector what was what just where do you start this discussion (laughs) um well i think we start with the discussion with the meme that explains the uh box office take the only reason it made that much money is because dr strange watched it 14 million times Um, i mean that's completely fair (laughs) um so uh i'll kick off a few things uh first off uh, I enjoyed it. Let me put that out there. I enjoyed it more than Infinity War. Um, and I, I didn't love Infinity War. Um, I've got lots of reasons why I didn't love Infinity War, and I know that that puts me at odds with lots of people. But fight me. Um, or don't. You can just be civil and actually have different opinions and not need to feel the need to argue. Um, but I didn't enjoy Infinity War, but I enjoyed this one a lot more. Um, and I got really emotional at many points. I think I cried three times. Um throughout the movie and uh but uh i think my biggest thing is that i did not love the first two hours um mm. i did not love the first two hours now um i had the whole time travel uh aspect of this ruined for me almost a year and a half ago oh um, um i have a friend uh who's a voice actor and he gave me a spoiler um because he's in the movie, um, in the scene where Iron Man is talking to his father and giving him fatherly advice. And he told me, hey, I filmed Infinity War today. He thought the movie he was in was Infinity War. And it turned out the movie he was in was not Infinity War. The movie that he was in was Endgame. 
And oh, snap. Because here's the deal. They filmed both of these at the same right. time. Yep. And he had no knowledge of which movie he was actually filming. So while we're having lunch one day, he said, yeah, I filmed a scene on an Infinity War. And I was like, I, you know, I knew that Infinity War wasn't going to be the end of the story. So I'm like, go ahead and tell me your scene. And he told me I was a 1970s military officer while Tony Stark talked to his father. Well, when. Oh, so when I got to Infinity War and saw that Tony Stark was not in the 70s. And was not talking to his father. I'm like, crap. They time traveled. That's how he happened. And I was like, and so it was, it was, I've known time travel was coming the whole time. Now, I don't mind time travel. I don't mind that it's a, you know, how they did it. It was not a bad idea. Well done. Um, But here's the deal. I'm a fan of time travel science fiction. I have a daughter named after a Doctor Who character. Um, (laughs) That's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a valid, I'm a very valid fan of time travel. Um. I felt like the plot and premise of that was sloppy sci-fi. Um, I felt like it was sloppy fan service sci-fi uh, just to get us back to the point. Um, mm. And I know that it's like, hey, let's. This was like a band coming on the encore, doing their greatest hits after you've spent, you know, fifty-four hours at their concert. Um, <laughs> It's just like I was like I get it. We're going back to all the stuff that was cool before, and we're you know oh look you got Natalie Portman back. High five, good job. Um, which I actually was excited. Um, but it's just one of those things. I felt like the time travel aspect for the first two hours was a bit sloppy. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. But um, the first two hours were rough for me. Um, in in some of those aspects, dude, you've heard me and we've had this discussion. One of my biggest beefs. With Thor Ragnarok is I hated the fact that you took Thor and turned it into a buddy comedy. Um, Ooh, so this was probably uh, really painful for you. <laughs> this was the fact that they turned Thor into a buddy comedy was a big problem for me with Ragnarok. Aww. And then you turn around and you take Thor and Hulk and make them even more of a joke. Um, uh, now come now the the Hulk thing actually is from a direct run in the middle of the Incredible mi- Hulk yeah the mid 90s and I actually enjoyed that um, but the people that didn't uh, the people that aren't familiar with that run thought, saw it as big, more of a bigger joke than Fat Thor um, like I was talking to a friend of mine who's never read a comic book who was more angry at Nerdy Hulk than Fat Thor um and so that was something they were dealing with. But straight up, dude, um, Lebowski Thor made me want to walk out of the theater. Right. Um, oh, man. Why are you hating? Because <laughs> I'm hating because, okay, once upon a time, they had considered casting Jonah Hill as a Green Lantern. Oof. Okay, never mind. Go on. <laughs> One, once upon a time, there was a Hollywood pitch meeting where they literally pitched an idea for a Green Lantern comedy. Starring Jonah Hill as Green Lantern. That makes my head hurt a little bit. I feel like it's a, it's one of those things that we should come back to at some point because just just knowing that that exists in the universe is separate from the well, maybe it's in the same universe. But the I quantum mean, realm allows all things. The quantum realm allows all things. But here's the deal, dude. Thinking of Jonah Hill or even Jack Black as a Green Lantern in his own movie is the same thing we got with Lebowski Thor. You took a powerful. Uh force of 
nature one of the strongest characters in comic book continuity and reduced it to a bad SNL sketch. Oh, man. Hector coming in heavy. <laughs> well, the, the, like I said, the first two hours were my beef. Um, I, I, I wasn't mad at I'm, I sound mad at it. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't love the choices. Now. You mad, bro? You, mad. you sound a little uh, mad. Uh, you okay. Now, I actually really enjoyed uh, Nerdy Hulk in context. I really did. But, like, one, I think I, it was hard for me to get the fat Thor taste out of my mouth um, after that. Um, so there's that. But beyond that, my other thing, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to skip to my good stuff. Uh, <laughs> the last hour, to me, was sheer perfection. Um I would gladly pay a full price movie ticket to watch the last hour of this movie at any point in time. Um, no, absolutely. Like I will sit in the lobby and play Nintendo Switch and try and beat Cuphead for two hours um, and wait until that mark. Literally, the moments where Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America walk out from the rubble to address Thanos sitting there. From that point on, game freaking on. Everything after that moment for me was perfect. It was great. And wasn't it also the most comic book thing we have possibly seen in one of these movies for literally a solid hour that, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, all of us were like, wow, that was the most comic book movie I've ever seen. Then I saw Avengers Endgame and that scene hits and runs a full hour. And I'm like, there is literally so much going on right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to comprehend everything happening right now and you're not a thrones person right uh not really i'm a little behind so okay. it's kind of eh. well there there was an advertisement or a discussion for this the episode of game of thrones that followed Endgame, the weekend of Endgame. it's called the battle right, of winterfell right. um yep. it, it was no i'm down i know what's going on okay it was supposed to be it was supposed to be the longest largest battle in television history um right. and it took them 55 nights to film and in negative 14 degree weather i mean it was this big deal um i felt like that hour of end game even the sad parts at the end and everything i felt like that was way better and bigger and more satisfying than what game of thrones was advertising was going to happen um and i mean like so all of my emotional moments happened in that last hour um dude when captain america says assemble like I got goosebumps. Oh, I got goosebumps yep. right now saying it. I was I was so excited. <laughs> um, when I hear him say the word Avengers, and I'm like, and it find, it dawns on me, he's gonna say it. He's gonna oh, like I literally like I was trying to like forcibly hold my T Rex arms to my chest so that I didn't fist bump continually and ruin people's views. Um, but I did. It didn't happen because as soon as he said assemble, I let like a solid three minutes of random fist bumps, like I'm uppercutting the world. Um. <laughs> but like when he said assemble, I straight cried with joy um, at that. Yep. Um, and then, you know, even that like on your left, like caught me so <laughs> right. Caught no. me so off guard. Um, and that, that just, that got me ready. I wasn't ready for the hype that ensued with that. And that's really special to my kids right now because my kids and I went on a trip to DC um, over Christmas and we went to the spot where they actually did the 
on your left thing with Falcon and Captain America, and they got to run around, you know, the the same path that they were running. And I filmed a video of my kids like running past each other doing on your left. So that's really iconic <laughs> to them. They loved that. So literally, it was like when they heard on your left, all three of my kids like leapt out of their seat and looked at me. And um, <laughs> so that was a big moment for my family just in that. So I loved that. And literally everything that happened after that. Um, yeah, I have some some critiques, but like I, it was great. Um, you know, the whole battle ensuing, nope. seeing everyone come in, seeing Howard the Duck, you know, in the battle scene, <laughs> right? Um, all that was dope. Um, I loved it. I thought they played it out well. Um, I don't like Iron Man as a you know whatever. I'm I'm on that Lego Batman status of Iron Man sucks is generally my mantra. Um, uh, he, he's just a douchier Batman, and um. Ooh, uh, which is really funny. On the first Faith and Fandom book, there's an Amazon review where somebody is just angry that I said I don't like Iron Man, but still wrote a Bible study about him. Um, and that's how their, dare you? That's their whole negative yeah, d- review. See, literally. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I was so I cried. I cried hard when Iron Man died because they made me care. So the fact that. I don't generally like this character, but you did it well enough and I invested enough in this that I moved well done. And then um for me, right. honestly, like with uh seeing Cap get his last dance, dude, I yep. I cried with just pure satisfaction. I'm like, that's how you do it. That's how you close as soon this as, chapter. As soon as they cut to that, I was like, they're actually doing it because I literally remember talking to tons and tons of other comic fans and of course Cap fans going Straight up, if Steve doesn't get his last dance, we're going to burn this mother down. And then literally that they decide to do that. Like, okay, that was the next time I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Okay, I'm crying. Um, But I think uh, the truly amazing thing, and we can't even possibly cover it all. Because I think I watched a 35-minute movie covering all of the random references and Easter eggs, etc. from Endgame that I'm pretty sure missed another half hour worth that the thing that impressed me most is 20 plus movies of a single story, a single story threaded together so well that all of those references actually call back to previous movies to comics. There were comic references that weren't really in any of the movies that in that last hour, I'm just like, that's a thing. 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 Holy what? What? That's also a thing. And that some of them literally were like a one to five second hit of something that wasn't even really attached to the story that was being told. But it was like, cool, we're dropping this one right now. Um, Because how much, I mean, the Avengers assemble and everything, but did you cheer unincredibly wildly when Cap picked up Thor's hammer? Oh, yeah. For the first time in that fight. Because... Like all of, and then just the perfect Thor line following it of I knew he was worthy and I'm just like yes Steve Rogers is amazing <laughs> and, he, and then like the question is like was he always worthy was he fronting in Ultron um, mm, you know right. did he become worthy at some point either way no like him picking up the hammer dude I mean it doesn't get better than that um, it just really doesn't and then like uh, one of our artist friends Christmas Junk Chris McJunkin wasted no time to do a print of having mm. uh, Steve Rogers with the hammer and the shield. And it was great. No, that, I mean, the thing that's just wonderful about this film, like even we don't get into the nitty gritty of it is, is the part that I said is 
they just wrapped up 11 years of telling that single threaded story with all these little pieces that how could you how could we have expected more or less from that three hours and two minutes that like you said i've heard similar people say that the first two hours were why am i here and i get that some of it i enjoy from the perspective that it gave us the impact from the first movie and then started to work out the final pieces so we could get that last hour. So I didn't, I wasn't totally bummed by it because I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. I know why you're doing it. Um, But I guess like some of the things that some of our fans are probably going to hear about is going to be those that made the ultimate sacrifice during this and how we feel about how those things played out. Because let, let's be honest, the whole Hawkeye Black Widow thing, I did not see playing out that way. Um, and the fact that they also made me gasp four times in a row as it literally was them fighting to who was going to sacrifice themselves. And I, let, let me just put it out there. Hawkeye's arc, for me, was worth the two hours at the beginning. Um, right? Uh, the thing with his family... <laughs> Ugh, ugly cry i mean the, like yeah there was audible gas in my theater like we're all like oh hawkeye and that whole thing you know his family slowly dusts away because you know they're not at the battle so we finally saw what it looked like to other people and him just calling out the names of his his family and looking for his wife like broke my movie theater before we even started watching the movie because i'm a salty heifer and like a general douchebag in general my first like not my first my first thought was al that hurts my heart my second thought was like if you'd been in the battle maybe it wouldn't happen um oh (laughs) because hawkeye would have aimed for the head um whatever um noted (laughs) sorry if you don't like me anymore um but no like his his whole arc and ronin dude Ooh. And then Natasha being the one that brings him back to the you're better than this and that type of stuff. I was like, you know what? Don't you give me hope. <laughs> right. Haw- Hawkeye Hawkeye just kind of having that undertone through this entire arc. And then we hit the end and it's like, oh, that mattered a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, you know, anyone that felt he was being underserved, all of a sudden it was like, okay, we know who Hawkeye is now. And that that's like super deep. And then just them trading that entire back and forth of you saved me first. Like, I know there's tons of people that are really upset that they're like, they think this is the end of Black Widow and everything and that this was a cheap way out and all that. I was like, listen to the conversation, though, and actually track their history through all the movies because they explain Thor why they're friends. Yeah, right. They explain why they're friends through all of this and that that last moment really was gut wrenching and the sacrifice that they were both willing to make is is really really amazing and to be completely honest pay attention here folks she sacrificed against the soul world now the russos have claimed that the soul debts cannot be recovered but i'm sorry all of us in comics know that the soul debts mean that they go to the soul world and we just haven't been introduced to where the soul world is and if it's actually accessible in the mcu i do not under any circumstance believe that her or gamora are completely lost to the mcu well, here's the deal, dude. They co- they covered their butts with that so well because we lost Gamora. I I totally don't expect to get old Gamora back, but they gave us hmm. uh 2014 a new Gamora. one, right? Um, so all that does is set up more contrast and more conflict for Quill to get her back and for Quill to regain yep. her love and to make a bet. Because here's the deal: if you put 
Happy Gamora on the Guardian ship with Happy Peter, you don't have conflict. And where's the story? They're better when they're fighting and they're better when they're actually getting to know each other. All they did was set up better storytelling. Um, I think you nailed it, though. I not knowing anything, but if I had to guess and where they left us with the as guardians of the galaxy. So you can continue to hate that. Apparently. Um, I'm not mad at that. that I'm not bad at that. Yeah. But that guarantees Thor is literally going to be full comedy and it's been highly rumored. He's already contracted for volume three, which tells me volume three, if I had to bet right now is going to be Peter trying to figure out how to find the original Gamora and that story will resolve however it resolves. Yeah. So that's why I think that that, that literally set that up because Peter isn't going to let it go. No. I highly doubt he's going to let it go. So I agree with you. And so now we get to see whether it's true or not. Well, and here's um, the deal. You made so, the point about the ultimate sacrifice, but here's the deal yep. with that. Marvel did Marvel, Man, I had and we've we've had this. I'm sure you can dig a podcast up with us somewhere that is yep. us talking about this. One of my biggest beefs with Infinity War is like the week after Infinity War, they announced Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yep. Or Far From Home, or whatever like, movie it was. Uh, or yeah. Far From Home. Yeah. Far 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 From Home. Yeah, they announced Spider-Man: Far From Home a week after Infinity War that it was coming. So they went ahead yep. and told you none of this matters now. Come on. We're about bro. to find out. Come on. No. But if we're fo- if we're following the MCU timeline, For, Far From Home it is, is in the year 2023 cuz those 5 years that passed. Yeah, but no, they said it is in it they they've said this week, Feige said this week it takes place after Endgame. Right. So, none of this matters cuz we know we got Spider-Man back. We knew we were getting Spider-Man back within a week of Infinity War. People hadn't even watched the movie yet and we knew we were getting Spider-Man back. Now, we already know all these characters, air quotes, that we lost, that died, that are gone. Name one character that died in Infinity War that's not living on in some other Marvel incarnation. We already know there's a Black Widow movie. We already know that Loki has a TV series. We already know that Scarlet Witch and Vision have a TV series. The Scarlet Witch and Vision has been rumored to take place in the 1950s, so they're going to do some weird time stuff there. Right, but... They're going... So, but yes, it's valid. The Loki thing, I'm actually super comfortable with because that, remember, even with the putting the stones back in place, now this is where everyone's going to get super mad at all of us, but we're talking about quantum realm time travel and not linear time travel that I am very comfortable with the moment in New York that went sideways and Loki did the bamf with the uh, Tesseract. That was how it created, sets up. Yeah, I got that. Created, created another reality that we even with putting the stones back that some of the things that occurred there are definitely multiple realities that were established is my read of things because they did not resolve themselves that as soon as loki bamped and poofed and disappeared that was a stone being taken out of place that remember even with the quantum realm slipping in and out that if they went before that that event still happened okay point in case i hear you on that but how do you know that the Loki we got in Ragnarok, or it, even better case, the Loki we got at the beginning of Infinity War isn't the Loki possessing that Tesseract. Well, that's what's super fun about this argument now is we don't. We don't. So it's possible. Here's the deal. That perfectly sets up the TV show. Like, Oh, heck yeah. He, that's why I'm excited, for he, sure. He bamfed with that. Bam. We have all the plausible reasons why Loki has a TV show. Yep. Um, no, there's. it's the thing that 
so comic booky about it is it was designed to have the appearance of, oh, we fixed everything. Well, actually, there's enough inconsistencies you should pay more attention because I think they ended up being more consistent with their definition of time travel than anyone's giving them credit for. It's just way more complicated than we really think because because of the slipping in and out of time with the quantum realm, the possibility of infinite realities is still present in this universe. And that super simplistic explanation of just put the stones back exactly in the right place doesn't convince me that the whole branching thing didn't occur and that they can come back to that. So because otherwise you get that issue of everyone makes the argument and we should end today's episode talking about it is, well, then why didn't you time stone uh, Tony's sacrifice? Well, that's because if you did that, you end up with Thanos still doing all the things you literally just undid. Well, no, but we also have the fact that uh, Doctor Strange watched all the outcomes and this was the only way we win. Right. I think that and that argument comes up and that's where it stops every time. Yep. Yeah. Is that this is the way it had to play out exactly, which is why my favorite thing, who is the actual hero of Endgame? It's the random rat back in San Francisco, because if that rat did not hit that button at exactly the right time, then we don't get Scott back and we don't get the explanation of the quantum realm. You're welcome. A rat saved the universe. I'm not sorry. No, it's that totally is <laughs> a thing. It's, it's very Doom Patrol, but that's what happened. Right? Um which comes back to the how many of those 14 plus million times did that rat just miss? <laughs> like, just thinking out that entire scenario has been fun and fascinating to me. But I think the thing that really hangs on me for Endgame as a total package, like I said, the fact that they knew because they had to lay this out in order to get here. If you didn't plan to get here, I don't know how you got here without way more inconsistencies is the fact that you took the guy you literally introduced the world as one of the most self-centered just annoying dude in general ended up being the guy that saves the entire universe because he actually learns on that journey how to become a better person and what self-sacrifice actually means that like you know why i i really lost it when that finally became clear is because as soon as he solved the time travel thing i think he knew Oh, I think he. Knew I think too. when he put that together, and and was telling Pepper about it, that they they knew what was coming, and he technically had finally given her the perfect life that then none of them ever thought they were going to get. The away from all the garbage superheroes, just us in the cabin with our kid, and still when faced with the better option, he still did it. And so love hate Iron Man. I was just impressed that we can now look at the story and tell the story of total redemption from a guy that even five years ago probably would have thought, no way. That's a Steve Rogers move. That That's a Cap move. That's not an Iron Man move. And Which I think they set that up so well with Avengers 1 with the whole wormhole deal or whatever that was. Yep. And that's why I, I just thought that is exactly how you do this. Um, we can... I'm glad to debate with anyone that wants to talk it in and out, but I, I don't know how this story ends any other way. Um, and it feel as fulfilling as that did. Cause I mean, that was, like I said, that's literally 11 years of us absorbing this story and going, yep, that ma- that makes sense. And that it was so deeply impactful. And then just tying up those little ends around it with working out Steve's story, working out Valkyrie's story, 
that everybody kind of got their end that I was talking to some other comic book people. The thing I loved about this is, you know, when you're reading comic arcs and everything, it'll say to be continued or at the end of the story, it says the end period. And that that's where that comic story ends. I felt once we hit credits for that movie and we didn't get anything, you know, there were no, everyone's like, why didn't they set up the next thing? I was like, cause that is literally how a comic book ends. It literally says, and that's it done. I really dug that. I thought that was amazing from just that piece as well. So final thoughts. What do you got that people have to absolutely know for for Endgame for you? For me, it was, I think they celebrated the fans really well. But I think the biggest thing is that they ended a story well. Um, for me, right. telling yep. a story is always the most important part. But if you tell a great story and end it poorly, boo. Like you, yep. you ruin it. I mean, you look at Dexter, look at Lost, look at, I mean, Heroes, look at these sh- these stories we've loved that ended poorly. Um, you know, you ended this really well. Personally, I always loved the ending of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, he, yep, he stopped being Batman. He enjoyed his life, and Alfred got to see him be happy. Way to freaking go! Um, uh, with this, dude. You let Iron Man redeem himself, become a sacrificial hero, and you let Captain America have his freaking dance with his girl. Dude, you nailed it. Yep. There, there's not a better way. I mean, sure, they set up the future. They made the Asgardians of the galaxy. They got a new cap with Bucky. They got, I mean, they set the future up. But personally, I don't even care if I see that future. You ended the story I've invested in. Okay, with Iron Man 1, I had a newborn daughter. <laughs> when with go. with my wife and I, Iron Man 1 was the first movie we took our newborn daughter to. And I stood at the back and held her ears during the gunfire because it scared her. I literally stood there holding my daughter during Iron Man 1. And to see my almost teenage daughter sitting in the theater crying over this story that moved her. <sighs> Bro, that's... Oof, oof. No, nope. I, I well. think if I if I had to wrap it up, the thing that I had a few of my friends mention and it's worth re-mentioning is the Marvel Cinematic Universe gave us 20 plus shared cultural experiences with other fans and was done so well that we expect to go to movies now on opening night, opening weekend, sometimes even later than opening weekend to hear cheering, crying, etc. for our superheroes. These people that the story has meant so much to us because we could relate or just because we finally got to see that story played out just like Kevin Smith. And we've talked about how Kevin talks about comics and everything is that we should just be thankful. We have these things, but now that we have them and that they were good is, is such a, is such an awesome experience for us as fans and everything. And that was the love letter that I think all of us needed and gives us hope that there's more to come. But like you said, if it doesn't, then that was 20 plus movies of just great in terms of being able to capture us, tell a really long, complicated story and grasp people that might not have really enjoyed these things yet. And now those people are reading comics that weren't reading comics. And, you know, we didn't even get in that today, but to confuse some of you, if you didn't know, I can't give you one comic that tells this story. It was between 12 and 15 different story arcs they weaved to tell 
just the end game story. It wasn't just Infinity Gauntlet. It wasn't just Infinity War. It wasn't just Hickman's Infinity. It wasn't just Ultimates 2. It was a ton of different things. And and a lot of original. Oh, yeah. Tons of original stuff. And then, like I said, one to three second references of stuff that isn't even in this part of the story, but they dropped anyway. So, you know what? Um, this is going to drop after Free Comic Book Day, but... You know, take advantage of things like Free Comic Book Day and get into your local comic shops. Free Comic Book Day is always the first Saturday in May. So, again, you you missed it by the time you heard this, and that's our bad. But know that these types of things are designed to get you into a shop to take enjoyment in the content that is being brought to the screen. And that's the kind of stuff that Hector and I are here for, we live for. And just, just needlessly put, Avengers Endgame and 20-plus epic movies that currently is the MCU is just an amazing feat of cinema and storytelling that is worth the investment. If you haven't jumped in or if you've only seen parts of it, take the opportunity because will Marvel be able to top this first act? We don't know. And if they do, I'm all for it. It's awesome. If they don't, well, you know, we still got this amazing story. 11 years of storytelling, 50 plus hours of entertainment that shows this story and these lives of these heroes and people. So, Let's just hope that we can see more of this in the future because I agree with Kevin Smith. I'm just thankful that all the cool stuff is hitting now and we should support all the stuff that's out there because once it's gone, it's gone. So, you know, Hector and I are super happy to be here to be able to bring this to you guys every couple weeks. Share some of your thoughts in the community in terms of Endgame. If you've got questions, we definitely did not get to even a percentage of the things that happened in this movie. So. Just take that opportunity to jump on the Facebook community. You can email us at the pull list podcast at lovethynerd.com. We're working on some other stuff to hopefully get on Reddit and that type of stuff so you can have other ways to interact with us. But just know we're here for you guys. We love comics, and this was a major thing for comics and the movie industry. So if you don't know what we're talking about or if you haven't gotten to it yet, you, you shouldn't have been listening. We warned you. Um, but, you know, jump into all the pieces. So, but that's it for us here at the Polis Podcast. This is episode 15. It's now in the can and hopefully in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this adventure of podcasts and fandom and all kinds of nerdy things with a group called Love Thy Nerd, and we're part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. And we are here with a couple of other shows. First of all, we have Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris. They do interviews with game designers, producers, creators, and really get down to the heart of why they do what they do and what they design. And then on the other hand, we have the Free Play Podcast, which is just a bonanza of crazy, nerdy, awesome things. And Bubba, Matt, and Kate bring us that. And they just talk about almost everything possibly nerdy. They play lots of games, video games, tabletop. And they tackle some of those difficult, nerdy things on a week-to-week basis. And you can get all of this at lovethynerd.com. So... Hector and I, again, we just really want to thank you guys for choosing us to be your source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near-weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and many more, and hopefully more to come. If we're not somewhere, let us know. We can look into getting it there as well. So just be sure to find us, shoot us an email, thepullistpodcast at lovethynerd.com or look for us at thepullistpodcast.com. So thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember kids, read read more more comics. comics. Shazam!
You've been listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media.